0: Good morning church. I got through my announcements. Now we are ready to go. Now I know that I'm required as the person giving the message to make a comment about the weather. So beautiful day we're having. Is that correct? Excellent. I am so honored to bring you God's word today. And for those of you who don't know me or just maybe know me as the guy who plays guitar up here, my name is Josh Hobie. I am the director of worship experience here at Calvary and I lead here at the Modern Services. Now Right now, we are in the middle of a series called Unsubscribe. And when our creative team was trying to figure out what the summer series should look like, I was really excited about Unsubscribe, and here's why. It is so practical, and it is so relatable, because every single one of us gets worried, right? Every single one of us feels hurried. You and I both hold grudges. We all strive for perfection and we all get jealous. And if you don't feel like you can relate to any of those things, we're going to hold a one-week sermon series just for you called Subscribing to Honesty, okay? Now, today we are going to explore what it means to unsubscribe from the idea of perfection. And I think this is a great topic and an uncomfortable topic for me to talk about because My family and myself, I consider myself a little bit of a perfectionist, right? I like to be places on time. I like to make sure all my ducks are in order. Um, So it's really interesting and really challenging for me to kind of go through and figure out what does it mean to unsubscribe from something like this. And as a music guy, it is so easy to fake perfection in the music industry. Has anybody ever been to a concert where the person singing sounds absolutely nothing like what you heard on the radio? Right, Because you can fix everything in music before it hits the radio, but you can't necessarily fix what people are doing live. We live in a lip sync and Instagram filtered world. Now, does anybody here, raise your hand, remember a time before digital cameras? Right, A time when you had to take a picture and just hope and pray that it was a good one until you got the film developed. You couldn't take 30 pictures of your cat taking a nap because you only had 28 pictures on the film roll right? You couldn't filter it live. You couldn't have Photoshop on your phone. You just had to live with what you got, like a pre-Snapchat world where if you wanted to look like a dog in your picture, usually you either had to find a dog to take a picture with or just draw on after you got the picture developed, right? We live in a culture where perfection is not only expected from everyone but demanded, and we are criticized when we fall short. If you don't have the perfect filter on your Instagram post and get a ton of likes, you feel like a failure. I speak for myself and probably a lot of people in here too, when you put a picture online and like every, like every half hour you just keep looking to see if people love it and like you might take it down if you don't get enough likes, like that's exhausting to think about. So I wanna to open today with a story about perfection. Now, a few years ago I was asked to play at a wedding and has anybody here ever met a bride who does not want the perfect wedding? Right? That's not a thing. It doesn't happen. And to their defense, to their defense hopefully this is a once-in-a-lifetime day that you spend an insane amount of money for something that costs $80 at the courthouse and free in the Bible, but that's different. <laughs> Just saying. But the colors have to match the bridesmaids' dresses, right? The flowers have to match your second cousin's eye color, and your cake needs to be gluten-free, keto-friendly, and vegan for that random boyfriend or girlfriend your sibling is bringing. Right? It's just exhausting and stressful trying to please that many people. And that's a day that needs to be perfect. So when I was asked to play at a wedding, bride and groom sent me the song list. And there's not a ton of songs for weddings that I at least haven't heard or have played at 90% of the weddings that I've ever played at. So I get the song list, glance it over, saw a song that I had never played before called Love Come Down. Now, I had assumed that this was a song that was popular on the radio at the time. I had heard it in my car driving, so I thought, you know what, this is going to be no big deal, no problem. And here is where I made the mistake of a lifetime. I emailed the bride back and said, looks good, I know all the songs. Can anybody guess where this story is going? So knowing what I know, that weddings demand perfection, I worked on this tune a ton, right? I had it down. I had the perfect guitar part. I knew exactly where I was going to growl to make myself sound awesome. It was going to be perfect, right? So I showed up the wedding, didn't go to rehearsal because I'm like, I've done 100 weddings. I don't need to go to rehearsal. Met with the wedding coordinator. She handed me the program and there it was. It said, sand ceremony, special music, Josh Hobie, love came down. Not love come down love came down. That is such an important letter when you're not paying attention. I had never heard of this random country song called love came down and that is when I looked up to God and said if you get me through this wedding I will never make fun of country music again. (laughs) Now for those of you who know me that's obviously a lie but God did provide and like most country songs there wasn't much to it so I pulled it off Can I get an amen from the student section? There we go. So I pulled it off. I don't think that I ruined the wedding. I certainly didn't tell the bride and groom. I didn't want to be part of any of that. But I don't think that I ruined the day. I'm pretty sure they still got married. But I was so stressed out. It was the most stressful gig of my entire life. And the point of this story is that I was so wrapped up in the perfection of the product that I lost focus of the purpose behind it. Right? I was so wrapped up in the perfection of the product, making sure that I looked good, that I had everything that was going to make me look awesome and sing super well, that I lost focus of what the bride and groom were actually looking for from me. Does that make sense? Yes? Yes. Now, I want to make sure that I say this early on so this doesn't get confused. There is a difference between pursuing excellence and being perfect. Right? God deserves our very best, especially when we're doing something for him. And worship is a great example of something that's for God, that we always pursue excellence. And as a leader, we have so many reasons to make sure that, like, worship and things that we do for God, especially that we're pursuing excellence, right? But there's a difference between excellence and trying to reach perfection or what other people expect or sometimes what we perceive perfection for ourselves. So that's what we're going to explore today. And we're going to start by talking about why are we so obsessed as a culture with being perfect. Why are we so obsessed as a culture with being perfect? I was so locked into making sure that I sounded amazing at this wedding, probably so that I could just get more wedding gigs, that I didn't take the time to focus on what the bride and groom and what that couple was actually looking for from me. I was so focused on perfecting the product that I was laying out, rather than the purpose for why I was there. And when we live in a culture that is so obsessed with perfection, a culture that if you fail, You can get trolled and bullied online to the point that sometimes you think the only way I can make this world a better place is by killing myself. That is awful that that's a culture that we have to live in right now. So a question that I have been struggling with as I've been getting ready for this sermon is this. Do we cheapen God's sacrifice by trying to achieve our own version of perfection? Let me say that one more time. Do we cheapen God's sacrifice of sending his son Jesus to take away the sins of the world by trying to achieve our own version of what we think being perfect is? So for those of you who have maybe have written like a graduation speech or done like a presentation for a company or something like that, you know like you get the topic, you come up with this awesome zinger of a question that's like, this is going to be great. And then like on Saturday night before you have to preach on Sunday morning, you're like, I don't really know how to answer this question. That is this question for me. Do we cheapen God's sacrifice by trying to achieve our own version of perfection? God knows that we're not perfect. That's why he made the sacrifice to send Jesus the perfect sacrifice, fully God and fully man, to pay the price for our imperfection so that we are made perfect through Jesus in God's eyes. God's will for our lives is not that we achieve perfection, God didn't send his one and only son to be beaten. He didn't send his one and only son to be mocked and crucified on a cross so that we have something to live up to. Jesus died so that we have something to live into. And there is a big difference between living up to something and living into something. There is a big difference between living up to something that you will never obtain or achieve, like the perfection that is Jesus, and simply living into the sacrifice and the gift that has already been given to you That is Jesus. Amen? Amen. I think a great example of this in Scripture, excuse me, is the story of Peter's denial of Jesus right after Jesus was taken to be crucified. So if you have your Bible, feel free to open up to Matthew 26. If you don't, that's okay. I'm going to read it. And I'm going to pump through some Scripture here. So sit back, take a listen. Matthew 26, starting at verse 31, it says this, on the way Jesus told them, tonight All of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, that's super important because this has been said before. This isn't a new thought. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, also important, Jesus is telling him that I'm only going to be gone for a few days and then I'm coming back. I will go ahead of you and meet you in Galilee. Peter declared, disciple numero uno, the perfect disciple Peter says this, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed to do the same. Right? Peter thought he was the perfect disciple. He thought he had it all figured out And that he would never do wrong by Jesus. What he did is that he wasn't focused on what Jesus was actually saying. And then what happens? Verse 69, it says, Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied in front of everyone, I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath, I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be with them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Has anybody ever been to Florida on spring break and they just know you're from Minnesota by the way you talk? I can imagine that's how Peter, like that sinking feeling. Peter swore a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind, before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. Then he went away weeping bitterly. Peter was so caught up in trying to be the perfect disciple that he completely missed the two things that Jesus said. Jesus said, this has been foretold that it's going to happen, and it's okay because after I'm dead, I'm going to raise from the dead, I'm going to meet you in Galilee in a few days. Peter ignored that because he was so focused on trying to be the perfect disciple and showing up all the other disciples and being an example that he lost track of the purpose behind what Jesus was saying. He was so wrapped up in the product of being the perfect disciple that he could not get past his need to live up to Jesus' standards rather than living into what Jesus was actually saying. So fast forward a bit. John 21, Jesus has died a few days later, Peter is fishing with some of the other disciples. Starting at verse 4, it says this. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. Does anybody have a father-in-law who's better at fishing than you? I do. It's like, no, Josh, just cast over there. You'll catch a fish, and you're angry when you catch one. That's how I think this is probably was like. So they did, and they couldn't haul it in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat, pulled in the loaded net to shore, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. Skipping ahead to verse 15, it says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Peter replied, you know I love you, then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you, then take care of my sheep. A third time Jesus asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time time he said lord you know everything you know that i love you jesus said then feed my sheep i tell you the truth when you were young you were able to do as you liked you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go jesus said this to let him know the kind of death that peter would have to glorify god then jesus told him follow me Right? Jesus doesn't demand perfection from Peter. None of that whole thing, Jesus is saying, Peter, I need you to be the perfect disciple. Even when Peter denied Jesus three times, which Jesus knew about, Jesus asked him three times, and then he ended that whole phrase with what? Can we put it back on the screen? There it is. Follow me. Jesus is not interested or is not demanding perfection from Peter. Jesus' only request is to follow me. Jesus' vision is that we live into his mission, to lead people into a growing relationship with him. And you can't do that if you think that you're perfect because we are called to follow the only perfect person to ever walk the face of the earth. You can't lead people to Jesus if you think that you're perfect. Now, what does God's word say about being perfect or what is perfect. This one is on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 9. It says this. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ For when I am weak, I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What these verses are telling us is that God uses our weaknesses and our imperfections as strength. God uses our weaknesses and our imperfections as strength. Christ's power working through our weakness so that we can live into his purpose for us. God is not interested in in using perfect people. One, because the only perfect person to ever walk the earth was Jesus, and we ain't Jesus. And two, because weakness and imperfection require God's grace and strength. Have you ever been around somebody who just thinks that they're just awesome? Right? Just perfect, like too cool for school. Right? They have the best social media account. They have the best Instagram. And for like a minute... You ask yourself, who's taking this picture because it's too good? And then you get distracted by the sun setting perfectly through their heart hands, right? They are, it's so exhausting to be around those types of people. It's like, hey, I just went on a trip to Florida. Well, yeah, I just bought an island. Like, what is that? It is exhausting, and usually you can't, get a, you can't wait to get away from those types of people. That is why God continues to use imperfect people to accomplish his mission, Throughout scripture, God is using the outsiders. He's using the sinners. He's using the imperfect people to accomplish his mission. Look at the 12 disciples. Literally a bunch of losers and nobodies. A bunch of fishermen, tax collector, people who that everybody else would have written off. And Jesus handpicked them to be his closest followers. The point of all this is that God is is using you despite your weaknesses and despite your imperfections. God is working through your imperfections to reach people whether you know it or not. The question is, how do we allow God's perfection to work through us? We have such a hard time unsubscribing from perfection. Sometimes we don't even know how to make this happen. And there's three points that I want to go through real quick. First, one is that embrace our weaknesses. When we embrace our weaknesses, God shows us His strength. When we embrace our weaknesses, God shows us His strength. God's purpose for your life is not to fake perfection. God's purpose for your life is not to make it seem like you have it all figured out on Facebook. God has already taken care of your perfection. When God looks at you, He doesn't see someone who doesn't have it all put together. When God looks at you, he looks past all the wrinkles on your face that you spend all that money on to try to get rid of. He looks past your exterior and sees Jesus living inside you. You are perfect in God's eyes. A child of God that his own flesh and blood died for so that you could be made perfect in his eyes. Amen? Amen. And God is going to use your imperfections as tools in his perfect plan for you, but only if you let him. Second thing is focus on the purpose rather than the product. Focus on the purpose rather than the product. And a great analogy that I heard of this, and I'm, this is completely paraphrased, so I'm, whoever actually wrote it, don't sue me. It says this, in baseball, the goal isn't to hit the ball. Does anybody know what the goal in baseball actually is? Yep, murmurs from the crowd. It's actually to cross home plate. Right? The goal isn't to hit the ball. The goal of baseball is to cross home plate and get a score. And what's crazy is you can't have one without the other. Right? You can't cross home plate without hitting the ball. But when you focus on the purpose of why you need to hit the ball, it adds meaning to what you're doing. Now that sack pop fly makes way more sense because you had a runner on third that was able to get home. When you focus on the purpose behind what you're doing, it makes the product have meaning. And when we let our human desires to make things all about us, if we were to focus so much on our own batting average to make sure that we looked great, we were the best singers or the best businessman or the best parents or whatever, we can sometimes lose focus on the purpose behind why God put us in those places to begin with. When we try to make things all about us we out, and try to outshine those around us, it is so easy to miss what God has right in front of us. The last point is this. We need to start living into God's perfection rather than trying to create our own. We need to live into God's perfection rather than trying to create our own. A phrase that keeps coming back that I try to remind myself of is that God's perfect, I'm not, and that I just need to get over it. Right? God's perfect, you're not, get over it. God doesn't need your perfection. God is not interested in you trying to be perfect. And when we unsubscribe from our obsession with the needing to be perfect, we allow God's plan to unfold around us. Remember, we are already perfect in God's eyes. Through Jesus's sacrifice on the cross for each and every one of us, whether you've had a relationship with Jesus for 50 years or 50 seconds, it doesn't matter, the sacrifice is the same. We have been washed white as snow. We have been made clean. We have been made perfect in God's eyes. And God made you for his perfect plan, and it is up to us to get over our imperfections and live into Jesus' perfection. It is up to us to get over the fact that we have weaknesses, and that's okay. Because when we embrace our weaknesses, when we fake focus on the purpose We allow God to work through us. When we live into Jesus' sacrifice rather than trying to live up to it, we allow God's plan to unfold for our lives. So the challenge I want to leave you with today is this. What is it in your life that you need to let God take over? What is the weakness in your life that you just need to get over and allow God's strength to work through you? What is the thing you're trying to strive to be perfect at that if you just allowed God to work through your imperfections, life would be a hundred times better? We all have that type of thing. And what's awesome about that is that God is right there to help us each and every step of the way. You're not alone in your weaknesses, you're not alone in your imperfections because God is working through you whether you know it or not. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for weakness and thank you for imperfection because that allows you to come into our lives in an absolutely special way. Father, we ask that as we are trying to figure out our own weaknesses and our imperfections and where we're not allowing you to work through, help us to be open with ourselves, help us to be open with our families about what that is so that we can allow your strength to overcome our weaknesses and imperfections. We ask all this in Jesus name.